Hi. I don't know how to feel about this collision, but before we get into that, hello, all you Biconics wrestling nerds out there, and welcome back to another rendition of the Collision Collective Reviews, where myself and some other fantastic people decided to watch AEW Collision from this past Saturday, specifically January 6, 2024, the first collision of the new year. Joined with me, as always, is my other half, Louise. Hello, my friend. It has been two weeks since we had a collision. I'm happy to have you back. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty excited for the show. I was hoping to see more wrestlers than we saw last night, but it was really cool to get to see some indie workers out there, especially in the first match of the evening. But before we get started, I do want to remind people January 6th is El Dia de los Reyes, so I want to wish everybody a happy Three Kings Day. Anybody in Latino or Hispanic culture, you know what it's about. There's three boxes under the bed. We obviously can't give our children gold and myrrh and frankincense, but we can give them other stuff, <laughs> socks or whatever. It's really exciting to be able to share that and have such a inclusive group to be able to speak freely about that stuff. Absolutely. And of course, here at the Biconics, we are a collective mix of gentlemen from all walks of life. And so, especially now that we have three of us that are Puerto Rican, so let's go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but of course, and for those of you that celebrate it, Epiphany just happened the other day for those who are religious, so... Happy holidays, happy New Year's. It's been two weeks from the collision crew, so all the things together, happy inserted here. Mm -hmm. That's right. So let's, before we jump into it proper, some initial thoughts about this collision. I like some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. There's some things I have questions on. <laughs> and something tells me that the majority of the show had Tony Khan's handprints all over it because... Once again, we only got one women's match and one women's segment. <laughs> no, we got two segments, but even then I was like... Yeah. I like the... I don't know if you noticed some of these things. I have them in my notes. I like the subtle hints to where the company's looking to go. As we know, Eddie Kingston is very big on his specific skill set, but he is a... Just like we all are marks, like he's a very big New Japan mark. And I love the fact that he used Julia's finisher for his match yesterday because we know that Julia is going to be a free agent in March. And I know that there's a massive like amount of people, companies that are going to be trying to buy for her and Eddie's love for New Japan. I love the fact that, hey, man, <clears throat> I'm willing to use your spot here. Let's open you up. Let's go see. I can do it, but let's see if you could do it better. I love that. I also like, like I said before we started, I love the idea that we got some underutilized talent tonight and in big time spots. Look at the first match of the evening. That's to be able to say, to put that on your resume card, that you got to work Sting in his last time ever in Charlotte, North Carolina. That is insane, man. That's something you, nobody will ever take that from you. No. And in fact, let's just jump into our opener for this week. So this was a quick tag team match where we already had the workhorsemen in the ring. So JD Drake and Anthony Henry were already in the ring. Ric Flair makes his entrance. So Ric Flair is back on my television screen. I have said my piece about how I feel about him. As long as he doesn't take away from Sting's retirement tour, I don't necessarily mind. But me and Adolfo over on Rampage, we both have expressed that it's really hard, especially knowing what we know about Ric Flair, especially when 
the dark side of the ring episode gave us more details about the flight from hell mm-hmm. and just the horrible things that went down on it. It's really soured us on Ric Flair, but as long as he's used in this capacity, I'm fine. But he comes down and then we get Sting and Darby Allen, which we don't even wait. The workhorse bit is like, nah, we ain't waiting for the belts ring. Start fighting. And then the match goes underway. Listen, I love the workhorseman to death. I do. Mm-hmm. JD Drake is one of my personal standouts, just like from everything I've seen him in. That moonsault is so beautiful to watch mm-hmm. him do. It's just, oh, perfect rotation. I love it. Yeah, I, I thought this match was really well done. I love the fact that Darby was protected when he did the coffin drop to the outside. I thought that was really good because typically he doesn't have people full on catch him. I love the fact that we got the typical Sting stuff and my all-time favorite finisher. That's how we ended the match with the Scorpion Death drop, which is super, like, no one uses it, which is absolutely insane to me. It's just such a sick finish. You're dropping someone on the back of their head, you're going down. It's 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 a better version of DDT, whatever. Maybe it's his. Maybe he needs that phone call. Kevin Owens called Austin and asked if he could use the stunner. But If I could just say something about the Ric Flair thing, I grew up with Ric Flair. I wasn't ever a Hogan fan. I'm not a Hogan fan. Never will be. The closest I was ever a Hogan fan was this television show that was on TNT called Trouble in Paradise, where he didn't even play Hulk Hogan. He played a retired Navy SEAL. But I don't want to see Ric Flair out there throwing chops anymore. I don't, it doesn't feel great. It feels very much like Randy the Ram. Like, dude, you're past your prime. Like, you're trying to live in the moment. And to be quite honest with you, as someone who is a massive Sting fan, like, if it wasn't for Sting, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast with you. He is the reason I watch professional wrestling. He is my all-time favorite wrestler. So I, there's a part of me that says maybe this is what Sting wants. He's, hey, for my last go-around, I want you there for everything. But I have a daughter, and I have a son, and I'm watching these videos of Charlotte struggling with all of her knee stuff and i'm thinking rick that you should be there with her (laughs) this is crazy she's going through all this by herself watching the pain she's in she just doesn't look comfortable she just spoke she just spoke to the fans unveiled a side of her behind the scenes and then signed it as ashley not even as charlotte it almost as someone who's dealt with a lot of mental health issues in the past like myself it almost feels like a cry for help and it feels like something that maybe rick flair could put his daughter first and get off aew television go show the world that you're not that guy that's in the plane ride from hell get away from, especially a company with so much scrutiny right now with jericho because that dark side of the ring that we get about jericho in the future is going to be amazing unfortunately we'll talk about chris jericho because we got confirmation of something that's happening at battle of the belts and i'm like we'll get to her when we talk about it but with rick flair i on the one hand i'm don't want to discredit any of the work that he's done in the professional wrestling world because mm-hmm. he's one of those major figures that if you looked for the history of wrestling, his work and his character is always going to be brought up in conversation in terms of that era with the Ric Flairs and just important of paving the way for what we have now. However, Ric Flair kind of, stock wise went down for me because I thought he died during his retirement match, which was horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Horrible. You're absolutely right. In the sense that I, 
almost saw an old man die like twice in the middle of that ring. I thought somebody had to come resuscitate him. And I always knew that Ric Flair was a playboy, but then the plane ride from hell, Dark Side of the Ring episode came out and gave us more detail. I was like, "Mm, see, no, mm -mm, we can't do that. That episode threw me for a loop because it's my stock in Ric Flair went way down. I was like, dude, really? I know you're a playboy, but come on, man. And then it also put Tommy Dreamer in the doghouse for me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, Tommy. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of people. And Tommy has finally got back in my good graces. Funny that you mentioned the Tommy Dreamer thing because Jericho did a similar interview and he came out unscathed. And it almost makes me wonder why does Jericho keep getting because he he did a similar interview where he was telling people like how adultery is like not illegal. Let's remember that adultery is not illegal. And he's also saying like that time of wrestling like that happened. Like we just need to move past it. And it's just Tommy Dreamer essentially said the same shit, but everybody canceled him for it. He got crucified and it took him a long time for me for him to get back in my good graces. Mm-hmm. Now him being digital media champion in TNA is a different story because <laughs> it's a different story than mm-hmm. what happened from this plane ride from hell. But we'll yeah, like I said, we'll talk about Chris Jericho when we get to later in the show. But mm-hmm. back to this match, it served its purpose. I enjoy Sting and Darby. I love the workhorsemen. I thought this was a fun opener. And I was like, okay, cool. So quick seven minute match doesn't really need to be that long. Yeah. I will say I'm happy that Sting got a better last match here in North Carolina because World's End was bogged down with the surrounding problem (laughs) that came out before Mm -hmm. the pay-per-view started during his eight man tag. But which sucks. That match was still pretty good, though. Just it just kind of it was it it didn't issue. One person should not have been there. That was the problem. Right. I still think the match was great. It was sloppy, but it was good. But I also really enjoyed it just because I'm petty. Ricky mm-hmm. starts was me the entire time. I was just like, he gets in, flips off Jericho, and then tanks himself out. Nah, I love that. If I like, could just no. throw some shade at some Chris Jericho real quick. I think it's funny that Sting is almost 64, and he's a better in-ring performer than Jericho has been for the past 10 years of his career. It is ridiculous. That is a thing. I'm sorry. Seriously. It is ridiculous. Sting did not have a classic big man wrestling repertoire. Sting would do off the top rope dives. He would dive to the outside. He would do German suplexes. He jumping drop kicks, jumping DDT. Sting was pretty much light on his feet. And Jericho isn't a high flyer. One moonsault doesn't make you a high flyer. So I I find it very odd how he's been able to protect himself in such a great way. And credit to AEW because I'm not, I do poke fun at them a lot, but credit to AEW for protecting Sting in the way they have and making him go out the way they're making him go out. It was really nice. And I hope Matt Hardy's right. I hope that Sting's last match is a tag match because I I don't know if him going one-on-one with someone for an extended period of time would ruin all of this hard work that he's doing to end his career unless he gives us a quick 10 minute match where he puts over Darby right and I've been saying that I've actually been saying that once Sting announced that Revolution's going to be his last match for his career period I said that a tag match would be really fun but if anyone should wrestle Sting in his final match if it is one-on-one I agree that it should be Darby since Darby's been working with Sting whole entire time and i think it would be a massive boost for darby stock 
because Darby's already beloved by the AEW fandom. Mm-hmm. And to have Sting put him over in the retirement match, I think he's going to do wonders. But yeah, this match was fun. So was the next one. We had our wait, continental. Wait, wait. Oh, wait I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I would just like to break some news right now. As I said, Sting's my all time favorite wrestler. We just spent 13 minutes talking about him. Just secured tickets, and I will be driving seven hours to North Carolina to watch Sting wrestle his final match. That is something that I will be doing with my son. I have never seen him live in person, and I will be there for his final match. So you're telling me you're going to you're going to be at Revolution? Hell yeah! yeah. Yep, I will be there live on location. Listen. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to try to go live. <laughs> I'm going to try to go live, at least during his entrance. But I am going to have a seven-year-old with me. He might be too excited, too, because he really loves Sting, too. Uh, he's oh, watched enough of his matches. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get your perspective on it when we do the review for Revolution as well. Yeah. So we're making moves out here. Speaking of making moves, the Continental Crown Championship match was next. Trent Beretta, who earned his shot in the Fatal 4-Way on Dynamite, taking on Eddie Kingston with Mama Sue in the audience, which was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked this match. I really yes. did. This was what I'm expecting from... It's what I'm expecting from Eddie. And then Trent Beretta also. I was like, this... I feel like this is how Continental Crown Championship matches should be. Agreed. Because it's, this was so good. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought this match was really well done, even with the injury for them to be able to go past it. And honestly, when I first on the on my first watch of this match, I thought to myself that the injury is why he used the Northern Lights bomb at the end instead of actually using his back fist um, move that he uses. But I really wanted, I really wanted more of this match. That's my only negative about it. I felt like this match could have gone a good 25 minutes. It was just a really, and and I'm saying 25 minutes with a commercial in there. I felt this was a really good match. It was a great way to showcase Beretta. And it almost feels like the United States Open Challenge. You know what I mean? Let's just have Eddie go out there and work because there's a lot of people that forgot, like, they're all this negativity about John Moxley and his in-ring performance and all this negativity about Eddie Kingston. People don't even know, man. Eddie's been working his ass off from Jersey All Pro Wrestling to Ring of Honor to JCW to CZW. Like Eddie's always been a good worker. And sometimes I feel like you look at a wrestler and you're like, all right, this guy's got a pot belly. He looks like your drunk uncle. Who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? He looks exactly like my uncle JR. And I love it. He's just great. He's so personable and I watch professional wrestling and I attach myself to people that remind me of my family, remind me of me. And when I see his in-ring performance, I'm thinking like this guy has so much he can give to the world. And it's exciting that AEW has given him the spotlight to shine because he gave me a little bit of that old school Eddie Kingston vibe where he made Trent look like a superstar, man. Yeah. And you hit on something that I'm tired of seeing too, because people always criticize Eddie Kingston, not for his in-ring performance. But they always criticize him about his appearance. I'm like, is this what we're doing now in 2024? I'm like, come on, you guys. And I love Eddie Kingston. I am a big Eddie Kingston fan and I will, I'm biased in saying that, but come on, you guys, it's 2024. We got to stop throwing these things. You don't look like a wrestler. I'm like, nobody looks like the ideal wrestler anymore. No. We have small wrestlers, tall wrestlers, big wrestlers, thin wrestlers. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've heard the same thing. If I could just bring up two names, I've heard the same thing where it's, I've heard, I, I've been on a podcast before where I've had somebody say, here are two wrestlers that are the same height. One looks like a wrestler, one doesn't, where they're comparing, they're comparing what's his face from Mustache Mountain. Tyler Bate. And they're like, Tyler Bate looks like a pro wrestler. He looks like somebody that could kick your ass. Now look at him standing next to Adam Cole. And Adam Cole just looks like, where's Waldo? And it's, dude, but what Adam Cole lacks in physique, he makes for he makes up for with his in-ring performance. He makes up for with his ability to talk on the microphone. You know what I mean? That's It's such a big deal. And I bring up Adam Cole because that is everybody's go-to. That is the go-to person. I never understood that. And it was the same thing, too, since we're speaking on Mustache Mountain. It was the same thing in NXT UK when you had Tyler Bate and Trent Seven as the tag team over there. Same thing. Tyler Bate looks like a professional wrestler. Trent Seven looks like he, he looks like Tyler's dad who got lost. I'm like, listen, I know Trent Seven is not the most physical wise, like the ideal wrestler, but he has the skills to back it up, man. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it, but I'm excited to see trying to prove people wrong once again, especially now that he's teamed up with Speedball, Mike Bailey, and TNA. I am so ready for this tag team. Yeah. It's going to be, it's definitely going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I'm excited to see him in Undisputed Kingdom and stuff like that because I'm wondering if Adam Cole's going to let other people talk or if he's just going to be the mouthpiece for everything. But I'm excited to see where this goes. It was nice to see him and Mikey Bennett come in right away and just be tag team champions. It's okay. Like, here we go. And credit to Mike for overcoming his struggles in the past and being able to be healthy and clean and him and his wife just sticking by each other's side and him being able to be a big deal because that is a missed opportunity that I wish we would get another shot at in the big machine. I really felt like they had it going. That theme song was catchy immediately. (laughs) And I felt like his struggles are probably why they lost faith and they put them in the 24 seven shit. But yeah, credit to him for turning it around because it's exciting because that's another great in-ring performer that people just don't pay attention to. And we'll talk about more about him shortly when we get to their match. But Eddie Kingston retains. Give me more Continental Crown Championship matches. I'm here for it. Then <laughs> I was I had to watch this backstage segment a couple of times because I kept getting distracted. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we have Tony Schiavati with Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander. And then the immediate thing I realized was like, Chris, you, you got something on your shoulder. So yeah. Chris Statlander's Lizard Boots makes his debut on AEW television. What? I was so distracted that I had to rewatch this segment, like I said, because I was so distracted by the Lizard. I was like, what was ta- What were they talking about? Oh, okay, never mind. That's what, what everybody was zooming into on Twitter and stuff. That's what people were more interested in that. And as funny as it is or whatever, it, it's just it's unfortunate because here are two women that can just go flat Mm -hmm. out go and i'm a big fan of willow and i love the fact that chris has involved the asl into her whole showcase i think that's great i love that the nfl players are doing it too after scoring touchdowns or getting i think it's such a great thing It, it, it includes a part of the world that wouldn't be included and i just really hope that they 
maybe hopefully next time there wouldn't be such a comedy spot. Maybe they could just go out there and just tell everybody that this is going to be their year. But I'm sure they enjoyed it, which is all that matters. Right. And I am excited to see Willow and Chris in 2024 because I thought both of them had a real for me personally. I really enjoyed everything they gave me in 2023 from Chris being the TBS championship version of Orange Cassidy, just defending that thing anywhere she could with the TBS title. And then Willow just being amazing, being your inaugural New Japan strong women's champion. Mm-hmm. Then her having that baller match with Athena, which is still probably my favorite women's match of the year. Though when we did our episode, this was before final battle, because then I'll also put Athena and Billy Starks in that category, too. I'm excited to see what 2024 holds for them. I'm also interested to see if we're going to get more development between this and Stokely being involved and trying to get the wedge between them, because Stokely just cracks me up. I love mm-hmm. him so much. And the off the cuff things he just says, I'm like, you just said that, but I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go from this to another segment where once I was done watching it, I'm like, okay, I don't think this was the progression that I saw, but fine. We get a quick mm-hmm. segment from Hook. Basically, he talks about how his winning percentage is still high. I was like, you're not wrong with that. You win more matches than you lose them. And he's, I'm ready to have some bigger challenges. I'm like, cool, me too. That's what I've been asking. He's like, I'm coming for you, Samoa Joe. I'm like, hold up, pause, Come mm-hmm. time out. I was like, we just you went against Wheeler Yuta for the FTW championship, and now we're going to throw you to Samoa Joe. I'm like, I... I like the idea of the match. I think Hook versus Joe would be fun, but I'm like, where baby steps like apparently was missing from either Hook's vocabulary or the writer's room because I'm like, that's a big escalation. And mm-hmm. I feel and as much as I love Hook, I feel like we haven't built you to face Joe quite yet. And I don't think you paid enough dues to get there quite yet. <laughs> I was not a fan of this. I thought this comes off as comedy, and I expect Joe to put him to sleep right away. There's no way he's going to suplex Joe. I just don't think that they're going to do that because they're not going to want their world champion to go out there and get this type of beating because Hook pretty much goes out there and he squashes people. That's his character. So I don't expect that to be a thing. I also am not very fond of Hook talking. Me neither. I ball. I like Hook's character, but I feel like you need somebody else to talk for him. Like I thought when I, I'm still holding out hope that we get the reunite the reunion of Hookhausen at some point. Because as much as they were thrown into the comedy bits, Danhausen talking for the team was probably the best choice. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Danhausen's a great talker. Even Orange Cassidy talks better than Hook, which is saying a lot. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Hook works better if he has a mouthpiece for him. And like I said, I like Hook. My biggest issue in all this is that the escalation to we're throwing him at Samoa Joe. I'm like, not to discredit the FTW championship, but I feel like there are other people who should step up to Joe before you, Hook. We haven't gotten you to that level yet, but apparently they're just going to throw him up there. I mean, <sighs> I feel so bad. I'm like, Joe's going to eat you alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joe's going to eat you alive, and that does nothing for Hook, and it makes me sad because I want him to be able to do more, but losing to Joe this early in the year and just being thrown in a title match all of a sudden I don't think does anything for 
character wise or for wrestling wise and it's not gonna I'm gonna wait and see if we get this match anytime soon I'm gonna wait and see how that goes because what happens afterwards is gonna be important too for hook mm-hmm. so from here now we can talk more and gush over Mike Bennett because we have the a ROH World Tag Team Champion Proving Ground match. This is just a nitpick of mine. As the person here on the Viconics is one of the four people who reviews Ring of Honor on a weekly basis, it hurts me. I'm like, listen, AEW, I know y'all are treating Ring of Honor as like the stepchild and not everyone knows the rules, but I'm like, come on, you could have done your research because at first they're like, when they try to explain how a Proving Ground match works, I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> I'm like... And that's just a minor nitpick I have because as someone who watches Ring of Honor weekly, I'm like, that's not how that works, you guys. And you're a part of the same company. You have Ian and Capri sometimes hop on Collision, Rampage, and Dynamite. So come on, y'all could have did your research. But minus that, you had the Undisputed Kingdom, but I wrote down the kingdom. I was like, they are forever the kingdom when it's just them two fighting. And this is a proving ground match with the team of Commander and the bounty hunter Brian Keith. I've, I thought this was a really, this was a really good, good te- this was a good night for tag team wrestling. I'm just putting it out there. Agreed, agreed, 100. I thought the same thing. So just to give a peek, the proving ground match means that pretty much if you beat the champions, you get a future title shot, which clearly didn't happen here. I don't think Com- Commander and Brian Keith are. A tag team so i don't know if that is something that like they were vying towards <clears throat> i love the bounty hunter i love the gimmick i want more of it i wish he incorporated like certain aspects of it into his actual in-ring work but i love the whole presentation of it mm-hmm. as i stated earlier mikey is such a underrated worker as you said trent seven is such a great worker these guys being paired together and having the ability to go out there on a weekly basis live on television for the world to see they are going to come out like gangbusters out of this whole program because adam cole can't work right now and roderick strong's thing is to only work when needed to so they are going to be the workers especially if they're playing the batista role with wardlow which inevitably feels like he's just going to wind up beating up the whole crew and being a massive baby face if done correctly. So I'm excited for this. I would love if I, I wouldn't mind seeing undisputed kingdom be double champs. If they wound up going and getting the AEW championships too. I feel like with the name too, I feel like that'd be pretty cool. Like the undisputed kingdom and then they're the undisputed tag champs. I would love that idea. I'm, I'm not a big fan of ring of honor being used on AEW television, because like you said, it's not used properly. And they, this is something where the company owns the rights to everything Ring of Honor. And as someone who grew up with Ring of Honor, loving what they gave us in the past, it feels like they're not being provided with the same respect that they should be getting. Yeah, and thankfully, at least because you have your ROH Tag Team Championships on the Kingdom, I feel that's okay with me because of the fact that I know that the Kingdom is such a great tag team. I like Matt Taven, but Mike Bennett has a special place in my heart because as we were talking about earlier, just everything that he has gone through, him and Maria both dealing with his addiction issues and just overall mental health issues as well while he was in the big machine a few years ago and to see where he is now, he just looks so much more happier than that. He's enjoying 
wrestling, mm-hmm. which I can't really say a lot, which I can't say for a lot of wrestlers because there's a difference from treating it like a career versus this is what you're passionate about mm-hmm. and this is what brings you joy. So every time Mike Bennett steps in the ring, I can feel that aura of joy that just exudes from him every time he's in a match no matter where he's at, whether it's an AEW, whether it's a ring of honor, he just enjoys what he does. And for me personally, that made my enjoyment of this match even more prevalent because if the wrestlers and the workers love what they're doing and they care about putting on a good match, it shows. Mm-hmm. And it also shows for the opposite. If you have wrestlers that don't really care about what they're doing, then it's going to read off to the audience. We can see it. Agreed. Yeah, but of course, the ki- yep. So the kingdom are able to win. So no future tag team championship match for commander and the ba- our bounty hunter. But I thought this was a great match. And I'm one of the few people that really love this backstage segment. We have bullet club gold and then the acclaim come in and Anthony Bowens, man, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> as a worker and talker, but he's, Hey, listen, I was like, we don't like the undisputed kingdom. You don't like the undisputed kingdom. How about we work together? Just mm-hmm. think about it. And I knew what was going to happen. Jay like, eh, all right, let's go. But then Austin Gunn, he's, you know what? That actually does make a little sense. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this man has a brain. He's not just one of the ass boys. <laughs> it makes sense. Putting daddy with his boys together again. I think that's a really good, that's a really good thing. Cause I love that when the guns are whole, I really do. The three of them, I, as much as I love Billy being a part of the acclaimed, I just feel like those two do better off, but they do better by themselves. And I mm-hmm. really like the guns being together, watching them, seeing them, how they produce stuff. Uh, obviously out of all this is don't want to be disparaging to anybody else, but Jay Wett is definitely the, the diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. He's the guy I love. As you bring up, Anthony, I love how it's mentioned how Jay was able to catapult Bullet Club in Japan and how Billy Gunn, yes. is, uh, he was in a big faction Action, yeah. and factions actually work. And I love that because it also plays into messing with wrestling fans, too, because everybody's everybody's got to be in a fucking faction. And then it's action storylines tend to be some of the best storylines. Exactly. Like- it was great. And I think with such a big roster for AEW, you need to do factions because Mm -hmm. then that's how you get lots of people to have screen time, whether they wrestle each week or not. Mm -hmm. I wish we had more female led factions because the outcasts are the only ones we really had. And then that kind of got, we still do. And I'm still on the fence about how I feel about Harley Cameron being in the outcast, but I think she's funny as hell. Yeah. (laughs) She and Saraya are planning manslaughter. It's funny to watch on Rampage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm, this is this is just a future prediction. What I want is when Juice is able to come back from injury, and I want the acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold to be buddy. I want our Honeycomb Monster to come and be like, what the hell is this? Why are we not beating them up? What did I miss while I was gone? Yeah. I That's just a minor thing, but... I'm just also trying to imagine, I was like, what will we call this giant faction? What kind of chance would the crowd create? I'm here for it. I want a t-shirt with Bullet Club Globe, Bullet Club Gold and the Acclaimed at some point. This is such an odd pairing, but for some reason it really works. It could be the Scissor Club. It it plays into Bowens and it plays into what they do. So (laughs) 
could be something so lewd. It works. Can we also appreciate, at least for the longest time that I've known Jay White, Jay White, there's a subtlety when it comes to his comedic heel roots. He's still a good in-ring performer, and that's never going to be questioned. I appreciate that he leans into whatever he's given (laughs) to do, and he makes his own. Listen, this is why Jay White is awesome. I love him, and I feel like Mm. people don't talk about him enough when it comes to good character work of like whatever they throw at him he always leans into it even if he had an issue with how the feud went with mjf he leaned into everything that they gave Uh him and i feel like people don't talk about that enough yeah i agree speaking of talking this was a little bit clunky for me i love copeland i really do but this was messy from the beginning but it Ended up being okay because I actually enjoyed the match that we got afterwards, too. Mm -hmm. But Adam Copeland's in the ring. Says a couple of different things that where I raised an eyebrow, all of the rock, like I was a champion. I should get a rematch. I'm like, that's fair. But you know what? I'm going to work up from the bottom. Huh? (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? I'm like, okay, never mind. We're not getting an immediate rematch. Whatever. That's fine. We're going to build the underdog story. I'm like, do we need to make Copeland an underdog, though? That was my biggest question. And then he's, I will fight anyone. I will have open challenges. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we get to put over some more talent. Who's going to answer this? And then as soon as I saw Maria, Griff Garrison, and Cole Carter, I'm like, please don't make Ring of Honor folks cannon fodder for Copeland. Please let it actually be a match. Because that was my initial thought. I was like crossing my fingers. I'm like, don't let it be a squash match. Don't let it be a squash match. Don't let it be a squash match. It I said this, yeah, it was, which we'll talk about the match in itself. I have to say, I think Griff needs a little more work on his mic work, which is fine. I will say, since joining Maria and Cole Carter in Ring of Honor and him embracing the heel version of himself, I think this is the best version for me for Griff Garrison because I we said it in Ring of Honor. I think him embracing the heel side has done wonders for his mm-hmm. career. Post the Varsity Blondes with his tag team partner being in another company and Julia literally being the matriarch to and the leader of her own faction. <laughs> Let's be honest, Malachi may do a lot of the talking, but Julia runs that faction. <laughs> yes. As we'll Which. find out later. Yeah, so this is my issue with AEW right here in a nutshell. Wardlow won a world he won a championship opportunity, comes out, cuts a promo. And says that he will be world champion in the future, but now he wants to be the TNT champion. What are you talking about? You're the hottest thing in the company right now. Go get the world title. How do you not book him? Diamond Dallas Page. He's a guy who knows professional wrestling. He knows it more than I do. He said it himself. That promo ruined Wardlow. And now we're watching Adam Copeland, who has been successful everywhere, main evented two different WrestleManias, and... He also is a 11-time world champion, 10-time tag team champion, so many other things. And he just goes out there and just says, I get an immediate rematch, but I'm not going to take it right now. I'm going to work myself up. Come on. I don't understand it. But out of nowhere comes Maria Canellas, who is very boisterous, very great. I love that whole courtroom scene back in wwe i think that kind of gave us like oh like she could talk she's not a ditz like they portray her she's really smart i think that really opened up the world to what she could be 
I also liked it was hot how she was mean to Mikey in WWE. I don't know why. I just thought that was very attractive. And it's definitely uh, harder. <laughs> yeah, it was like whoa. But as uh, the late great Brody Lee once said, "Who the hell is Griff Garrison?" It was nice to see Griff wrestle do a great job to see edge put him over by saying or adam copeland to put him over by saying hey like you remind me of myself i love the whole slap in the beginning to get the match going and credit to adam man he gave griff a lot of heat and he looked good doing it he really put this kid over so i can only imagine that there are plans in place for griff i can only imagine there's no way but as it is said here on the Biconics multiple times, if it makes sense, they won't do it. So we'll maybe see. not in AEW, but I think Ring of Honor does a better job of trying to keep continuity and get storylines, which I wish we'd had our championships defended more over there. But mm-hmm. I thought this was a good thing for Griff and Cole Carter too, getting speared at the end as well, which was great. Even though they lost, they look great. And hopefully this continues because I love what we're doing with them in Ring of Honor in terms of character wise. But they're also. And I love me some good, stupid comedy feuds because right now they're in a feud with Spanish announced projects. So Serpentico Mm -hmm. and Angelico, I was just like, I'm here for the stupidity. (laughs) Also, I feel like Serpentico doesn't get enough love around these parts. And so we make sure to I want to make sure to say that I think him and Angelico are great. But again, if Copeland comes out and he has open challenges and he puts over younger talent and or other talent as well. I am totally okay with this and have him pick up wins. And then eventually don't know if I want to say maybe revolution is probably where we get the rematch at this point, but who knows? I also yeah. love the fact that between him and everybody else, everyone keeps calling it Luchasaurus. I'm like, he's kill switch. You guys. But mm. even then, we're like, nah, we're calling him Luchasaurus. That was a yeah. stupid name. The crowds chant it. The crowds into wait. it. They chant it. So I can't wait for Luchasaurus to be face again. That's what I'm. It, they're slowly building to it, and I'm really excited for that. <laughs> again, we get Ric Flair, Sting, and Darby Allen backstage. So a couple weeks ago, we had Ric Flair and Sting cut a promo. A couple weeks ago on Collision, this was literally the same promo. <laughs> from a couple weeks ago which is fine i also love watching darby the entire time continue to try to be his like very emo self in terms of his character and then by the end of it he couldn't even contain himself he's like all right i'm gonna just lean into this (laughs) i would like to bring up the title of a book i read in high school called the sound and the fury it's like all the noise signifying nothing so Mm -hmm. because this is how i felt with it i'm like this is the same promo we got a couple weeks ago there was nothing added to it there's no extra dimension. Ric Flair. It was nice for him not to ramble on the last time, but I don't know whether I, I'm not even upset with Ric Flair being on my television. I just feel sad. And I think that's the worst feeling that I have is I just yeah. feel sad. I was just like, I'm watching this. I'm watching this man slowly. He He's older. I'm just like, it's really sad to see on live television, just the slow decline down. And I could tell. And you know what? Like you said previously, if this is what Sting wanted, then I'm okay with it because Sting is going to be retiring at the end of Revolution from Mm in-ring competition. And if he wanted Ric Flair to be there for this whole entire journey, then you know what? I'm willing to put up with it because I love Sting that much. And you know what? It's nice to see when wrestlers don't ask for crazy stuff when they're heading towards retirement. Like 
the company actually listens to what they want. But it makes me sad to see Ric Flair on television like this. Yeah, I agree with you. I love the fact that Sting is just so funny with it that he actually says, I'm here cutting a retro promo. I love that. Just like the old school flat, blonde flat top, like colorful paint and stuff. And he's just animated and you could tell he's excited. His career is about to be done and he just wants to walk away on top like the way he's walking away. The one thing that makes me sad about the Ric Flair thing, if I could just say, is this really great quote. And I don't remember what wrestler said it but they were talking about Ric Flair. And this is why it's so sad to see the fact that no one in his life has told him to just stay off TV. Like you mean the world to people. And the quote goes like this, Ric Flair is your goat's favorite wrestler. Because that is true. Undertaker, Ric Flair's the best, is his goat. Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Austin, Ric Flair. All of these major, Hogan, Ric Flair, all of these major names in the history of professional wrestling have Ric Flair as the greatest of all time. Now, I know in our lifetime, we were, we have Shawn. That's what our group, our lifetime has, Shawn Michaels. I believe that'll be Brian when it's all said and done. It'll keep going. It was just going to keep going from there. But it's really sad because this guy was once considered the GOAT universally and now everybody's watching him and it's like we can't unsee this we we just can't like we're watching this happen like it's one of those things where it's like it sucks it sucks to see what brings me back to that rowdy piper interview the one where he did with sting and alondra blaze on the bill mar show where bill marsh called wrestling fake and he pulled his pants down and he's look at this this is a titanium hip you can't tell me wrestling's fake this is real And it makes me think like that hurt Rowdy's career after that. Like a lot of people were like, man, this guy's crazy. And it took years for people to forget that he pulled his pants down to prove a point. You know what I mean? And that's one of those things where it's like, when I watch Ric Flair now, the plane ride from hell ruins everything. What Shawn Michaels said during his ESPN special kind of ruins a lot of things. And then his promo a couple months ago or a month ago, I was just like, Jesus, man, just take the mic out of his hand. Just have him sit backstage with Arn Anderson. Have him be a producer. He doesn't need his mind is still good for what we're watching on television, but he does not need to be out there because we're all prisoners of the moments in the wrestling world. And we're going to remember what's happening now, as opposed to what happened 20, 30 years ago. Now for me, my first ever match I saw was sting flair. So I have that. This is the flair that I grew up with. I remember him getting off the plane to go wrestle big van Vader. And and as the underdog and Vader was going to beat him. And then he won the world title. That's the Ric Flair that I love that I grew up with the guy feuding with the NWO, the guy who came back after his lawsuit with Bischoff and the guy who won the 92 rumble, my all time favorite rumble like that guy. But this stuff, it's really starting to completely take over all of that great stuff about him. It is. And I know that they have to do the advertising spots, but like every time I see the Woo Energy logo pop up in the background, I'm like, like, listen, I know advertisements and product placements is a thing in wrestling as we've come to see in the last few years. But yeah, it's just really I feel sad for Ric Flair. And you know what? I'm just like, we just have to put up with it until March. And so it's yeah, it's just sad. So then from here. This is my only. This is a big complaint I had about this episode. This is the only women's match we got. Mm-hmm. 
I want more women's matches. You have such a big roster. But anyways, so we have Sky Blue taking on Kiara Hogan. <laughs> I love this match a lot. And I knew I was like, oh, Sky's going up against Kiara. Kiara's going to whoop that ass. And sure enough, because Kiara fights hard, too. I also feel that Kiara doesn't get a lot of China as well. And I think she solidified herself as someone to be watching, especially not only holding her own in Athena, but having a really awesome performance. I keep saying this. If you have not watched the Ring of Honor Women's Championship match with Athena and Kiara Hogan in the Chicago Street Fight, I need everybody to go watch it right now because that match I think not only showed that Athena can do any type of match when it comes to her championships, but it also proved that Kiara Hogan is actually the real deal. She did amazing in that match. And this match I really enjoyed. I love Kiara. Sky continues to go up in my ranks. I was like, all right, I love Sky. I already was a fan of hers. I'm a big fan, a bigger fan now that she's gone to like the hot topic version of herself, as Mm -hmm. I call it. I, I love this match. I really did. I just the only complaint I had is this is the only women's match we had tonight. Agreed. I thought this match was really good. I like Kiara Hogan and Sky Blue. There wasn't any real mistakes. I do dig how uh, Sky used a different finisher because I'm always a fan of having different ways to end an opponent. Like for so many people in the past, like we've had, like we'll just talk about Jericho quickly. He has the Lion Tamer and the Lion Salt. He's won matches with both. We have Seth Rollins. He's got the Stomp. He's got the Pedigree. He wins matches with both. Roman has the Spear and the Guillotine Choke. There are ways to win matches with both things. And I, I think not everybody takes the Code Red properly. It looks, it's what, what Saray used to say about the page turner. Not everybody takes it properly, but it's really hard to not take a TKO properly. It looked great when Mark Merrow did it, and it looks great when you're doing it. And I don't know why Austin Theory stopped doing it, because this was his finisher. But <clears throat> yeah, I've always been a fan of the TKO. I think it's a solid move, and let her use it. Let her. I could imagine her doing it with her new persona. I could imagine her doing it like on an open chair. Like I can already see her like doing stuff like this, especially to somebody like Abaddon or something like that makes sense to me. I like that. I Yeah, I agree. And we do have three months until revolution. So we do have a little bit more breathing room to build up. But what I would mm-hmm. love to see is, all right. So now that we put world's end behind us, now that we're tying up loose ends here with our main event, now I'm interested to see, all right, so who's going to be next to be facing Julia for that title? So who's the next feud? And now that we have three months, like I said, I want, I'm hoping mm-hmm. to see more women's storylines and more feuds be built up because we're in 2024 and we've already complained about we want more women's matches. So Tony, I need you to get on that with your AEW shows. Give us more women's matches. <laughs> Don't let them all be on Rampage because, listen, I review Rampage. I love Rampage. We get more women's action on Rampage, but put them on Dynamite and Collision. Just, mm-hmm. That's just my thing. But we're not done talking about the women because even though we saw this during World's End, I do not care. We got this segment with telling us that Serena Deeb is coming back. I've missed Serena so much. You mm-hmm. have no idea. I think she is so good, and we need her right now in this women's division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for her. I 
I love, I've been a fan of her since she was in the straight edge society. I think she's one of those special talents. She's a crisp and ring worker. She is of that mold where she just reminds me of the women's version of Brett, the Hitman Hart. That's what she reminds me of. And I know a lot of people say we have that at Natty. No, we don't. No, we don't. Natty's never been that good in the ring, but Serena Deeb is that good. Natty could work. Yeah. I'm not saying she can't, but Serena looks so poised, methodical. It looks completely clean to her and getting to see this level of character work from her too. It just, it brings me back to the straight edge society. Let's go back to seeing like this version of her, because I think this will be super successful. Absolutely. I'm excited to see with her back with her. I'm going to be honest, stick her on collision. If we stick her and thunder on collision, as much as I would love to see Thunder go for, against Tony at some point, I think Thunder, for me, I feel more safer with her being on Collision because I feel that she would be booked better because even Tony's not being booked great over on Dynamite right now because her character's over, but the feuds have not really been where they needed to be. But I'm excited to see Serena back. From here, this is where I say this is the squash match of the night. Claudio Castagnoli versus Andrew Everett. It gave Claudio a win. For me personally, the important thing to remember about this is that it's going to be him versus Hangman Page at Dynamite, which I'm actually really excited for. Mm -hmm. I think there's potential to be a good match. I don't know why we're calling out Hangman, but sure. <laughs> the top guy, because when he, he's the fine. Austin of the company, that's how I look at it. He's that guy where everybody wants to beat him. Problem is that I wish Claudio wouldn't talk. There's just, I don't need to hear you cut a promo. I get it. You and Wheeler Yuta, just quiet. Every time either one of them say anything, it makes me think back to that scene after Gina Davis says Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice throws the zipper at her mouth. That's what I want to do to Claudio. Just, hey, just shh, just be quiet. And I don't get it. He has good talkers with him. Like he's got Moxley. He's got Brian. Let these guys talk for you. And if he needs his own special guy that can talk for him, all right, then bring in somebody that can be his mouthpiece. But it's unfortunate. But I'm looking forward to him versus Hangman Page. I'm a big I'm a big page marker. I love everything he does in the ring. I love his whole presentation, everything about him, his uh, facial expressions, the way he sells. I think he's just, just a solid worker. And that's one thing that we can't take away from Claudio. He's a phenomenal in-ring performer. Oh, absolutely. And of course, <laughs> Claudio threw poor Andrew up and down this ring. <laughs> So it was what it was. I'm excited for Claudio and Hangman next on Dynamite. Okay, so now we head backstage where we have Ricky Starks and Big Bill talk about it. And then this is where we get the announcement that the t AEW Tag Team Championships are going to be on the line next Saturday at Battle of the Belts. It's going to be Big Bill and Ricky versus Chris Jarek versus Les Sex Gods, essentially. And it's going to be a street fight. And as soon as this was announced, I'm like, I swear to God, I'm like, I have the sneaking suspicion that Jericho's about to win these tag titles. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. how is this? <laughs> I have so many, I had so many feelings and I still have so many feelings. I hate there the are, idea. Yeah, there are it. so many people that are, that are, there are some people that are pointing this out, the level of hypocrisy that AEW has portrayed here. Even if Jericho is innocent, 
he should be pulled off TV until proven innocent. There's no need for him to continue to be on television because it just shows the company that if this ever happens in the future and somebody actually is guilty, that you'll take the necessary steps. But the fact that he's the highest paid wrestler on the payroll, they're probably like, nah, we can't not have him on TV. The problem, But my biggest issue is it's not like he's providing us with good work. It's not like he's giving us good in-ring stuff. It's not like he's been good on the microphone. It's He's become so, like his promos are so convoluted now. Like it almost, like everybody that's out there with him, like when he was doing the Golden Jets with Kenny, if it wasn't for Kenny, that would have been a big flop. Like Kenny had to be the talker. Jericho just, he seems so incoherent right now. And, I'm, and I feel terrible for Sammy because Sammy told us he didn't want this shit. He no, wants and this to is be able like, to be the single like- star. Yeah, this is what the third time that they've done this to Sammy, where we mm-hmm. push him to do something else. And then for some reason, we always throw him back to be with Chris Jarrett. I don't get it. And I was like, this is how we're. And I'm like, you're calling Sammy one of your four pillars. If we look at his body of work outside of the crazy spot fest, that was that TNT match with Cody with where the cutter from the top of the ladder onto Sammy, which was insane. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell. And I think he did. I enjoyed his performance, despite what everyone says in the four pillars match at double or nothing. That was the only match that made me care about double or nothing. I still double or nothing. is still my most hated pay-per-view from 2023, but yeah, I just don't like the idea. I'm pretty sure Jericho and Sammy are going to get these tag titles. I get it because it was supposed to be Kenny in this position, but Kenny's out indefinitely to for who knows how long while he recovers. Again, I mean, and Brock Lesnar missed uh, like a year and a half in the UFC when he had this. Like the yeah, everybody says that this could be a quick injury. It could be something quick, but Lesnar's a freak of nature, and it took him a very long time to come back to right. do anything active. Yeah, it's just this whole idea just makes me feel sad for Sammy because we continue to start and stop his singles momentum, thrown back with Jericho, <laughs> and then also I could apply the same situation to Ricky because every time we give Ricky some momentum. For some reason, it's always throw it, the same thing. When he feuded with Chris Jericho, it did nothing for him. <laughs> like he beat Jericho, and that made me happy. But I want more for Sammy and Ricky. And it sucks that Jericho always seems to be the cause of why we don't get to do anything fun with them. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the main event too. If I'm being completely honest, at Battle of the Bells, which makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. From one sad tag team segment to something that made me super happy. Our, we get to our main event. This match got like 30 whole minutes, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, okay. I looked at my DVR. I was like, oh, this match is going to go on for a while. I'm okay with this. So this was a standard tag team match. House of Black being represented by Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews taking on FTR. Again, we talked about how me and you would like to see more character development from FTR. But the in-ring work is always going to be stellar. And my God, these two teams went at it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, see what happens when you put Malachi Black on television in the ring. I was like, people are reminded how great he is. And that has been my biggest problem because I haven't seen Malachi in the ring in quite some time. And then I was like, Ugh. he was in the ring. and I was like, oh, it feels so good to see you wrestle again like this. <laughs> Yeah, phenomenal interim performer dating back to his days as Tommy End. He's just been really good. His Alistair Black run was real good. Coming into AEW, he hasn't been utilized properly, but this could be what Tony Khan wants to do with him. Also, 
I don't know. I'm over the FTR thing. I, I feel my brother always says this to me when he's talking about professional wrestling and why he refuses to watch AEW. This is like his big sticking point. He says, because mm-hmm. I've seen my 10,000 hours of professional wrestling. I want to see characters now. I want to see like development. I want to see storylines. I don't want to watch just wrestling anymore. If I want to watch just wrestling, I'll pop in like a William Regal tape and just watch him work. That's what I watch when I see AEW. It's not my cup of tea. When I look at FTR, that's exactly how I feel. I don't care how good you guys are in the ring anymore. I get it. You guys are awesome. But you're blander than Benoit was. Like, it, it's that bad. Like, they are so bland. It's <laughs> it's it's insane. And don't get me wrong. Had that guy not done what he did in real life, like, the way I talk about Brian, that's the way I used to talk about him. But I can be completely honest with you that the guy was awful on the microphone. He was awful in terms of character, and but he was just so ruthless in the ring. He was so great in the ring. That's why people watched him. That's how I feel about FTR. I don't get what's happening. You can't give us a sliver of a character, a sliver. They compare themselves to the Brain Busters, right? Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson. They compare themselves to guys like that. And I think to myself, or Tully Blanchard in Arn, that's what they compare themselves to. And I'm thinking, those guys had character. They were assholes. (laughs) Like, you're supposed to hate them. You know what I mean? There's nothing about you. And the thing is, we know that these guys, they can give us character. We've seen it in NXT. When they feuded with Alpha, American Alpha, they actually were phenomenal heels. Everything they did was innovative. Even like one of them running over to the other side or going under the ring to stop the tag. Everything they did was just so brilliant. There's this big rumor out there that they're just like biding their time until their contract's up so they could go join Punk. And at this point, I would just rather them just sit home. Just go sit home. Because it's not, I'm not, I, I have more fun watching MJF and you know how I feel about him. Yes, we are. (laughs) And this is not a dig, but we know. And that's okay. And I think, who knows, they might be taking some time off of television because via some help from Daniel Garcia after Brody King came in to make it three on two and Daniel Garcia making it even the odds a little bit, FTR pick up the victory here. I was worried they were going to pin Malachi. I was like, if they pin Malachi, I actually think this might ruin my enjoyment of this match. But I also don't like that Buddy keeps getting pinned. But if I'm being completely honest, between the three members of House of Black, Buddy doesn't get hurt when he gets pinned, in my opinion. But FTR pick up the victory, but that's not the important bit. Because then the post-match beatdown happens on FTR and Daniel Garcia. Now, let me tell you, just this... I talk about the weirdest things when it comes to wrestling because the psychology behind what happened next with Julia really sent shivers down my spine in a good way. Yeah. And I appreciate I felt smart for once because I picked up on the significance of it before commentary said for the audience watching at home. But after this beatdown is happening and FTR and Daniel Garcia are laying on the ground, specifically camera goes over to the shot of House of Black standing over FTR and Julia Hart begins to hit the bell, which equates into a 10 bell salute. So the psychology of anyone who's been watching this or knows professional wrestling, the 10 bell salute is usually reserved when you are honoring 
the passing of a wrestler. So the 10 mm-hmm. bell salute is usually in memorial of the death of a wrestler. And the fact that she did a 10 bell salute over FTR, which is signifying the symbolic death of FTR sent shivers down my spine. I'm like, I don't know who came up with this, whether it was house of black, it was FTR, whoever the booker in the back, whoever decided to put this, let me tell you that small little piece made me look past the fact that once again, house of black lost another match. But even in defeat, the house always wins. And I'm just like, it's weird. The small stuff like the small stuff like that gets my goat, so to say. Yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was great. I hope that it's a 10 bell salute for Daniel Garcia's pelvic thrust. That would be great. (laughs) If it happens to be like one of those things where they're saying that the FTR is gone, they're dead. And House of Black is the reason that they're dead. And maybe we get a different version of FTR. Maybe this is now we get something that I've been just that I just ranted about for 95 seconds straight. You know, like maybe we just get a good version of FTR where they come out and they're just like hot. And, you know, maybe Daniel Garcia replaces that CM Punk role, you know, for the group and the three of them, you know, I don't know how you would put, unless it would just be like DG FTR or whatever, however you would pronounce it. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I agreed with you. I really thought to myself, man, what a great, story here and i really feel about julia hart the way i felt about alexa blister and the bray wyatt stuff she has take she joined this group same as alexa she joined this group as a happy-go-lucky kind of thing and then she just became this mr abigail type of performer and it works man she's so good at it and i love it and she is the character development for some of these women in aew has been stellar i don't know who's in charge of it i know damn it's not the jacksonville jaguar's son owner's son i know a damn it's not him because he could give a shit about women's wrestling we've seen that we I'm sure you've seen Britt Baker ranting on the internet recently. So we know how she feels about the company right now. And just, if you look at Abaddon, great character development. You look at what Tony Storm is doing. Just unbelievable. The presentation of La Reina, Thunder Rosa, amazing. And now Julia Hart. Then we talked about Chris Statlander with the ASL. And we talk about Willow Nightingale, how she's like the fan. She's like the happy-go-lucky. She's like the ray of sunshine. She plays that so well. I don't know who's producing for these women in AEW, but I'm loving all of it. And I'm very excited for what's what the future holds. And I'm wondering how Deanna Perrazzo fits in here. I'm wondering where mercedes fits in if this is where she's going which really nobody knows everybody's just throwing shit on a wall and seeing where it sticks so we have no idea where mercedes is going but if she shows up here i feel like this would be the perfect time for her to show up because she will immediately be the top name in the company will immediately get validation she can come in and she can work all of these people and uh, i'm excited for the women of of uh of this company and hopefully collision doesn't do this to us again because I feel like Collision was like 
the women's center. I felt like we got more women's stuff on Collision. We got the Sarah Deeb. We got the Serena Deeb thing. We got the women's match. And then we got the Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale. So we got three segments with women, but only one match, as you said. And I would prefer a little bit more. I'd prefer more wrestling. Oh, absolutely. But with that, that brings us to the end. So the last thing we got to do is rate this episode of Collision using our empanada scale here. I'm going to let you go first out of. I'll let you choose out of five or out of 10, however you want to do it. What do you rate this AEW collision episode? I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a two and a half and bananas. I feel like it just wasn't my cup of tea. I agree with you. I love having extra women's segments, but I wanted more wrestling matches. Don't put Willow Nightingale on my screen and then not let me see her work. Don't put Chris on my screen and not let me see her work. I want, that that's something that I want. Also, I feel like the Claudio match was completely unnecessary. I don't understand the value of it. I don't understand what story you're telling. Like you're so I'm supposed to believe you're gonna crush you're gonna squash Adam Page? Nah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> it just that's how I feel about it. The Ric Flair stuff has just boggled my mind and I would only give it I only give it two and a half because Sky Blue and Hogan, Kara Hogan, or they showed out in their little bit of time. Malachi, we got to see him work really well. And and I agree with you. I enjoyed the Bullet Club Gold and Acclaim segment. Yeah, I'm in. I'm going to agree with you. I give this 2.5 out of 5 empanadas. It's the same thing. I thought, while I enjoyed a lot of the matches themselves, wrestling is never really an issue with me when it comes to AEW. It's more of the smaller things like, I want more women on my television screen. I want to see more characters and storylines. And I feel like Collision does a better job at this for the most part out of all three AEW shows. At least there's some semblances storylines going through. But now that we've wrapped up with the lingering storylines from 2023, like we just did with House of Black and FTR, and we wrapped that all up. Now I'm interested to see what direction we head in. But yeah, it was more of the backstage stuff that kind of drew, lowered my enjoyment a little bit. Just like you said, don't give me Chris and Willow if they're not going to be fighting people on screen. The big thing that detracted it for me is the fact that I'm pretty sure the sex gods are winning that battle of the belts next Saturday, which makes me super upset. <laughs> yeah, oh I, my gosh. I don't want to see that. I don't think putting a title on Jericho right now is a smart thing, but they're probably going to yeah. do it. They're I probably will eat pro if that if Ricky and Big Bill retains, but we shall see what happens with all that. But that's going to be it for this week's Collision Collective review. I have missed this show. It's been two weeks, and I'm glad that now we're back on it. Of course, if you enjoyed this, make sure to check out all the other stuff we have on the Viconics Wrestling YouTube channel. Make sure to follow us all over the social medias at BC WrestlePod. We have a Patreon now, so make sure to go subscribe to that if you like so you can see some exclusive stuff like our AEW World's End watch along. And yeah, it's it got really interesting. So if you want to hear more unfiltered thoughts, <laughs> go check that out. And then, of course, subscribe to the Biconics Wrestling Podcast on your favorite podcasting network where... In 2024, not only do we have our regular episodes, but now we have audio versions of all the weekly reviews as well going up. So if you can't sit and watch our beautiful faces, you can hear our voices on your way to work while you're studying. Take us everywhere and anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. But of course, from myself, Luis, and joining us next week, finally, now that he's not busy, you're going to have all three. It's going to be a treat because Biconics Wrestling Fandom, you're going to have all three Puerto Ricans in the Biconics be reviewing Collision. It's going to be a great time, hopefully. But until then, remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, stay Biconic, you beautiful bastards. We will see you for the next Collision review next week. But until then, ta for now. <laughs>